Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back. So glad that you joined us, especially today, because we're jumping into a section of the book of Jeremiah when we talk about the New Covenant. Uh, You know the term better as the New Testament. We know the Bible is the Old Testament and the New Testament, and really that refers to the Old Covenant, the covenant that God gave, the covenant at Sinai, the Sinaitic or Sinaitic or the Mosaic Covenant, and uh, the New Testament which is the covenant that Jesus confirmed through the shedding of his blood. So look, please, if you would, at Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 31. That makes it easy. Jeremiah 31 and verse number 31, where the Bible says, Behold, and anytime the Bible uses the word behold, it's a matter of stop and look at this. This is something to view. This is something of special note. So behold, The days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So that's an astounding statement because the Lord has already made covenant, the covenants with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. When we think about a covenant, we think about an, an agreement between two entities uh, entering into a, the conditions, the terms of that covenant. And when it comes to the covenants that God made with his people, some of the covenants were conditional. In other words, my fulfillment of this promise is based upon your obedience, your whatever. And some covenants that God made were had an unconditional promise that I am going to fulfill this promise to you no matter what. For instance, the Abrahamic covenant, which God made, obviously, with Abraham at Genesis chapter 12, but reiterated several times in Abraham's life. And that covenant was a covenant that said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and I'm going to make of you a great nation a nation that is numberless in it in scope look at the look at the stars in the heaven look at the sand and if you can number the stars then you can number your offspring if you can number the sand the grains of sand you can number your offspring and i find that very interesting because if you've ever been to israel you see a lot of sand and if you lived in israel at the time of abraham who lived in tents all you would ever see at night would be stars and all you'd ever see during the daytime would be sand. So it's almost as if God says, I want to remind you all day, every day, that I have made a promise to you. And that promise is a great nation. And that seemed unlikely because after all, Abraham and Sarah couldn't even have children and they were well beyond childbearing years. And of course, you know the story, Isaac and the miraculous birth and how God honored that promise. And and even then, take now thy son, thine only son and the whole thing, right? We know the story. But the, the part I think sometimes that we miss is that the Abrahamic covenant wasn't just a promise uh, of the seed of of Abraham being a great nation. That certainly is true. But 
Paul makes the very specific case in Galatians chapter 3 that when the Lord God said seed to Abraham, he saith seed as of one, singular, not as of many, and to thy seed, which is Christ or Messiah. So the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham was specifically a promise that the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, would be an offspring of Abraham. And so it was through that seed, Christ, that God would bless the world. So there it is. God's intention in choosing Abraham's family, or we would say today the nation of Israel, that's the name of his grandson, Jacob, Israel, the, the reason God chose Israel, the reason why God, God's people are called the chosen people is because God chose through them to give all of us the Messiah. So it wasn't that God loved Israel or Abraham in that case to the exclusion of the world. No, it was that God through Israel would love the world. Boy, the heart of God, amazing. So in the promise that God gave to Abraham, it was a seed promise that there would be a nation, the offspring of Abraham, and the seed, uh, Messiah, but also that there would be a land promise, that this land belongs to you and to your offspring. So I'm a big champion of the fact that that land belongs to Israel. Why? Because God promised it to Israel. There's a separate seed promise and a separate land promise. The church today does not replace Israel. God still has a plan for Israel, and there's still a week of years to be fulfilled in God's specific plan for Israel. I'm getting way off base here, but I wanted to say that. So there is the Abrahamic covenant. But number two, there is also the Mosaic covenant. Okay, that we know that as the giving of the law, the, the Ten Commandments. Now, why? Why did God make another covenant with his people? Well, again, the New Testament helps us to understand. It's our commentary. It's our accurate lens through which we see the Old Testament. So why was a new covenant? Not new. It was the old covenant. But why was the Mosaic covenant given? Because... People didn't see themselves as needing God. They didn't see themselves as God's peculiar, his specially owned people. And so what did God do? God gave them the law to reflect his own character and to demonstrate to man that he's not nearly as good as he thinks he is. Uh, Paul makes that same argument in Galatians 3. The law was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come, that's Jesus, to whom the promise was made. So the law was there to make sin look more exceeding sinful. The, the Mosaic law was never a means of salvation. Erase this notion from your mind that somehow in the Old Testament, people were saved by works, by keeping the law, but in the New Testament, were saved by grace. No, grace has always been the way by which people have been saved. Works have never saved anybody. Man has never been able to measure up to God. It took the law to be that, that schoolmaster or that mirror. That's another illustration, James chapter 1, to help us to see ourselves for who we really are. So that's the old covenant. 
And the old covenant could only provide information and and it, it brought with it guilt because we constantly saw our failings. And the old the law included all of the multifarious sacrifices and uh, the, the ceremonial and civil laws that, that went with it. And when those sacrifices were made, they didn't actually atone the sin of the people in the sense of cleanse sin, but they simply covered those sins so that God passed over them. But it didn't erase the sin residue. They had to continually make sacrifices. That's the whole argument of the author of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 8, 9, is that the new covenant ratified through the blood of Jesus Christ himself did for us what thousands of years of the law could never do. And that is that the blood of Christ cleanseth us from all iniquity. It's a once for all. When we by faith come to him, it's a transformation in our life that the law could never bring. I'm I'm getting way out of bounds here, but I want to explain this. There's a third covenant. Uh, We call that the Davidic covenant. And that's a covenant that specifically applies to kingship and to reigning. And that uh, Jesus, Messiah, the son of David, will ultimately be that seed of David that will rule forever and ever. So in that sense, the millennial reign of Christ is a fulfillment of the Davidic covenant promise, which brings us here to Jeremiah 31 and verse 31, which is the new covenant. So God says, I'm going to do something new that the old covenant could not accomplish because the old covenant can only condemn us. So look at verse number 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. And don't you love that imagery? God says, I took them by the hand, like a dad would walk a little boy across the street, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. Now, that covenant that I made with them, they broke it. Uh, They were the unfaithful wife. And I knew they would break it. It was a standard that was unattainable because it was a standard that reflected my own glory and holiness. Verse number 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. Oh no, this new covenant is not going to be an outside in, a rules and regulations based covenant that can never entirely be met. No, but I'm going to do a an inner work. I'm going to write my law in their inward parts. See verse number 33 and write it in their hearts and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is going to be relational. This is going to be organic. This is not going to be regulational and transactional. No, this is going to be relational. This is going to be organic. I'm going to do this. This is not going to be a mere conformation to laws that have been 
passed down, but this will be a transformation by an indwelling spirit that will come in. This is the work of grace in this New Testament age. As people invest their faith in Jesus, who ratified this covenant with his own blood as the sacrificial lamb, as the high priest, as the one atonement for sin, the once for all payment. As we put our faith and trust in him alone, the Holy Spirit of promise comes at that moment to come and live in our lives, to transform us, to help us to become more like Jesus every day and ultimately to become just like him. For indeed, that is God's purpose for your life, that you would become more and more like Christ. And ultimately, his work in you will be that you will become just like Christ, sinless and perfect, uh, made like unto his glorious body, the Bible says. What a grand and new covenant it is. And what a refreshment. What an encouragement this must have been to Jeremiah in these dark days when all he saw was lawlessness, when all he saw was rejection of preaching, of truth, of the law, to know that one day it would not be so because God through Christ would do the inner work of transformation. And this people, not these actual individuals, but this people as a nation would follow God, not reluctantly, but wholeheartedly because God has done that work from the inside out. I hope that helps today, and I hope that's an encouragement to you. We're going to jump into verse number 34 next time. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.